What's up, y'all? My name is Jake. And my name is Carl. And you're listening to Do You Even Lift Bro? Men Exercising Social Justice. Thank you so much for tuning in. We deeply appreciate it. Today, we're going to talk about another Star Wars podcast. Um, I think it's going to be Jedi versus the Sith. What's up, Carl? How are you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm good. I'm excited. Uh, I knew that reading up on a bunch of weird Sith stuff will come in handy eventually. So here we go. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, good weekend. It's a good day. And talking about stuff on this podcast is always awesome. So especially for Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I'm a nerd or anything. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't want to do this. Um, I think we could talk about kind of what we think are maybe some healthy aspects of either both of them, like okay. healthy masculinities, what we notice and um, whether that's the Jedi, which I probably will probably be talking about. And then you'll be the Sith. I'll be the that's Sith. how you want to do it. Um, <laughs> so. um, okay, cool. So let's start with what are some of the like core tenets do you think that comes out of the Jedi? For, yeah, I guess for the Jedi, when I kind of thought about like what is maybe some healthier masculinities, they seem to kind of practice mindfulness, which is cool, but I think they kind of also ignore some of the feelings that they have. But I think the fact that they're saying you should acknowledge your feelings is good. I think that's a good step. But doing nothing with that is kind of interesting. And then I also see how the relationships between the Jedi and the Order seems very political and I guess bureaucratic. Like it's very like everyone's pretty stoic and you can't really show any thoughts of attachment or um, emotion. I guess that's kind of the crux of the Anakin Skywalker and maybe even Luke Skywalker story is they negotiate that a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting to think about the fact that the Jedi Council itself failed, right? Yeah. By the time Luke Skywalker comes around, like when you sort of follow the story of Star Wars from like the Clone Wars series and stuff, like there's a lot of detachment from emotions, but also trying to save people at the same time. I think it's tough to like kind of like, I don't do the Jedi say like, you're not supposed to care about things. You know what I mean? Like, well, I don't, I don't know how you're supposed to emote and show love and like caring for people's humanity and existence. I guess humanity isn't the best word in a star Wars realm, but like, I can't think of a way to not care about the people you're trying to serve as a Jedi. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it's interesting because they call themselves these peacekeepers. Right. Right. But they, I think in some ways when I watch like see the show or even in some of the movies and the prequels, it shows that they either are conquering these places in the, in the, I guess the universe without even asking like, can we, like, can we, can we set up a base here? Like, is that okay? Like, it just seemed like there's that uh, savior mentality with it. And then they kind of disregard the feelings of others in some capacities. Yeah. It's thinly veiled imperialism, right? Like yeah. we're here for your benefit. Can we set up a base? We're here to protect you. And they're snatching up worlds because they're like, well, if we don't, then the Sith will. Yeah. The empire will. Right. And so then it's like, oh, we have a bunch of these clones. They'll protect you. But like they they also themselves have been programmed not to really have feelings towards other people or even show emotion, which I mean, in the cartoon, there's a couple clones that kind of stray away from that. But they're kind of the outliers, so to speak. So it's interesting to see like these components of masculinities, even when you see characters that would you wouldn't, I guess, identify as men. Right. Too. I think there's a, path, a logic path here of if you're able to sort of detach from or not let your emotions get in the way of your decision making process, I think there's a direct link to thinking that masculinity and men are more logical people. Right. Um, they don't let emotions get in the way of making decisions. Um, and I think that's actually incredibly problematic in the sense of it supports the ideology 
ideology of men shouldn't feel things. And I do think that's part of the root of the violence that our society experiences. So it's interesting to see that reflected in what is clearly the good side of a story in the Jedi Council, or at least it's constructed that way. The more I think we read, the less or the more we see the universe, the less convincing it is that the Jedi Order is like for sure a good group of people or, or collective of species yeah (laughs) Yeah, because they're not all humans i guess but yeah how humanist of me i get yeah (laughs) but i think they hold like similar qualities that we would aspire to be human right like even if they don't identify that way and i think it's interesting now they kind of hold this order as this high regard of like even high status with like Having even having a lightsaber seems like a privilege. Understanding the ways of the Jedi and having that education seems like almost like this Ivy League college education. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so it's I think there's a lot of ingrained privilege there. And then so then they get to go, oh, the Sith, they're dirty. Mm-hmm. They're the other. Right. And so then I think about the mass numbers of this Jedi order, this big powerful order shows the kind of the ways in which we have that, I guess, dynamic even in our current society. And I just think about like tensions within different communities that seem to be kind of almost this commentary within these two groups. Yeah. And the process of recruiting Jedis strongly mirrors white Christian manifest destiny of taking native children away for their own good or like they're destined to be better or like we need to train them at a very early age. Um, I, I might be a stretch, but there is some, I think, underlying legitimacy of saying you can like for a higher order or for, for a higher purpose, you have to like let go of family ties and um, let go of the past to some degree. Mm-hmm. And it's further exacerbated by the failure of Anakin who couldn't let go of those past connections. Right. And so I think there is some unattainable and dangerous aspects of masculinity portrayed by the Jedi Council that I don't often gets talked about in thoughtful and interesting ways. But I do wonder, what is the impact, right? Like, are we talking about bull and fluff when it comes to the portrayal of Jedi? Or is it also sort of an underlying, what are the lessons we learn about masculinities that we need to be talking about as it's portrayed through the lens of a Jedi? Right. And I think... It's interesting to even point out that like when Anakin and Luke have these feelings, it was very like, those were like great moments. And then you see like the audience kind of go either like, ooh, that's good. Or they label them as being babies or or basically emasculating them to the point where it's like, oh, these characters are not that relevant to the story when they are the story. Right. And so it's interesting to see that and then go, oh, but like they're not Mace Windu. They're not Yoda. Like they don't have this higher power in this in this like, I guess, strength, like emotional strength, emotional stoic strength to like keep pushing and living. That's right. When the rest of the population for better or worse puts the Je- and the Jedi like weren't universally accepted or desired or wanted, right? Like even Han right. Solo in the movie was like these guys, like they think they're <laughs> yeah. better than me. So I think it's an interesting reflection of like you and I specifically have to be careful that we're not pretending to be Jedi in our quest to start conversations around right. social justice as men because like that's not what we're about. We don't believe that we have a higher power or we have to be careful of the criticisms of the Jedi because 
we might align ourselves more with Jedi in the world of social justice than right. uh, and than anything else. And other men could look at us the way Han Solo looks at the Jedi Council if we don't check ourselves. Right. And then so then that leads to kind of like this notion of like what is good and bad or evil and yeah, it's good. a binary. And so then it's interesting that that binary shows up in the ways that like the Sith they're bad, but they also act on their feelings and they're pretty genuine. But yes, their first, I guess, reaction to it is anger. But then I think that's a symptom of sadness because anger is basically sadness in some ways. But then I think about the harm that they're causing by like just acting on the, that instinct. How do men, I guess, in the relation to this podcast, how do they exhibit those same behaviors in the ways that are harmful? Does that make sense? Try again if you want. Sorry, because <laughs> um, I think about that first gut moment of like Anakin seeing his mom die. Then he just wants to go slaughter a bunch of, I guess, I mean, I would probably label them as indigenous species yeah. in the in the universe. And so then he almost makes this point of like his feelings are more important than theirs. His life is more important, and his mom is worth more than than them because they're dirty. They're not, I guess, human or they're not, not good enough. You know, like yeah, they're primitive, and and then so. I, having that first instinct leading to violence, I feel like it's just another commentary to sometimes men that they don't know what to do with their feelings. So then they, the first instinct is to be angry and then act out on that anger. It's interesting because talking about the Sith, I think is almost impossible to do through the movies. Um, mm-hmm. Specifically, there's a bunch of books out there that add to the Sith philosophy and universe. That is really interesting. I think starting from the standpoint of the comparison between the light side and the dark side, there's easy. it's easy to make a ton of different connections in terms of white people and people of color, uh, men and women. Historically, this idea of the darkness and yin and yang is a female energy. The female energy is constantly sort of portrayed as either like snakes or darkness of some sort. At least in the way that Western colonized white Christianity portrays it, yeah. particularly in native and indigenous peoples. <clears throat> so even constructing the Star Wars universe in there's a common ground of the force. There's a good way to use it and there's an evil way to use it. And we're going to name it the light side and the dark side already sort of distorts even entertaining what some of the dark side philosophy is. And I think that's mm-hmm. also a mistake. The Sith before the rule of two and during the rule of two, they actually like walk into emotions they like they they view fear they don't want to shut fear down like the jedi do they want to stare fear in the face and then use it as energy for strength there's a certain validation of emotionality there that is missing on the jedi side that I actually like like i like the idea of using your emotions to better yourself Unfortunately, the Sith use it to try to destroy the Jedi Order and conquer the, the galaxy. But that philosophy of, constr- of of identifying what your fears are and using it to better yourself is something that I actually like. Gotcha. Did you want to explain a little bit of the rule of two and how that's kind of significant to the Sith? Yeah. So the Sith used to be its own species, but there used to be a collection. There used to be a Sith council just really powerful and really evil dudes and then there's was a guy by the name of darth bane that basically said <laughs> a sith council actually weakens the strength of the sis uh, the sith <laughs> not the sis <laughs> <laughs> so this people well anyway the sith 
the rule of two philosophy is that there's a master, there's always a master and an apprentice. Mm-hmm. And in order for the apprentice to become the master, you actually have to like gain the skills and become better than your master and kill your master and then seek an apprentice. And then that's the cycle of two. And the philosophy that Bain solidified is that, well, that then ensures the strength of the cis because the master will have to constantly also hone their skills and be on their guard. And that level of competition strengthens the order of the Sith to begin with. Okay. Right. So that's a really hyper masculine problematic aspect of that as well. Right. It's like King of the Hill philosophy and nobody wins in that. I do think it's very relatable to the way I grew up in the sense of like we play King of the Hill all the time. Like there's always sort of a battle for being the best dude. And it's always a lonely existence because you also have to watch your back for people who are coming up the hill, you know, like right. it's constantly fighting something off. And so I think the Sith philosophy There are absolutely aspects of it that I like, (laughs) and I know that in the world that manifests as evil doing and slaughtering, but they also kind of listen to the frustrations of people and validate that and say, we can help you. Like there's a couple of things that are, that are pretty good. Yeah. And I think they even call on like yeah people in that have maybe similar values and different, but also had, maybe need something from them or resources. Like I think about yeah. like with Boba Fett and Darth Vader relationship, like Boba Fett needed a job mm-hmm. and then Darth Vader would offer it to him along with other bounty hunters, of course. But it seemed to kind of be a way of like, cause the Jedi will be like, no, we're not, we're not going to associate you with that. Cause we also, as Jedi, we would view you as evil or dirty or less than or a savage. And when we think about the light versus the dark side, there's also like, I guess some manifestation of the, of the gray Jedi. And so then that's like fascinating that they kind of take on both of these values. I guess my question to you is, would this gray notion of a gray Jedi be a way to kind of balance some of the healthy and unhealthy aspects of masculinity? Yeah, that is my favorite aspect of this particular conversation is, is it possible to take aspects of both and create something that's good? Right. Um, Asajj Ventress is my favorite character in the Star Wars universe. Mm -hmm. And if you read the book called Dark Disciple, it's a perfect example, a perfect illustration of that. The problem, if you will, with this gray Jedi concept is that it is absolutely only possible to rescue someone from the dark side and not necessarily the other way around. So it's still constructed in a power dynamic in the sense that if you fall, which means from light to dark, you can rise again to some Mm, degree. Um, But Ventress, the character, is the best example of integrating the light and the dark into a philosophy that makes sense, that's caring, that is able to recognize attachment and foster it for its positive aspects, is able to use fear and rage to an unhealthy degree, but it's like self-protection and protection of someone that she loves. So it's possible. And, you know, we're going to always bump up against what is healthy masculinity look like in a way that we start losing the gendered nature of what it means to be a good human. Right. <laughs> right. And we're saying basically that all Jedi and Sith are men, which is also not true. And Ventress mm-hmm. is someone who identifies as a woman that I'm talking about being able to actually sort of, in my mind, accomplish what we're talking about. <laughs> Yeah. Which is the the irony, I guess. But The Dark Disciple is a book that is absolutely sort of melding what we're talking about. And I, and I really, really liked it. Yeah. Because I also think about like the dark Jedi that I was thinking about was like Quinlan Voss. Qui-Gon Jinn to an extent. Not not ex- not always that way. But and then even Dooku. Ahsoka Tano. 
Ahsoka, yeah, Ahsoka. Ah, oh, man, I love, love Ahsoka. She's my favorite. She's my favorite. Dooku is interesting because he takes some of the ideals into a supremacist standpoint, which is yeah. unfortunate. But like, he still displayed some level of like hair in different ways for his people as a ruler. So I don't know. Dooku is a confusing one to me, and I don't I haven't read anything that goes more in depth about who he is as a person. I yeah. only know him from the Clone Wars uh, cartoon series. Or oh, is it a cartoon? You call it a cartoon? Yeah. Okay. Animated series maybe is a better yeah. phrase but I would be more interested to understand him and I think that's part of the point here too is like the stories of the Sith in particular the Sith as an organization takes advantage of people's vulnerabilities for their own purposes right Right. opposed to finding those vulnerabilities and supporting validating and supporting them in ways that are healthy and awesome I don't think the Jedi actually do that very well either because mm-hmm. they just say hey your child is filled with midichlorins and make a great Jedi and it's best for the Empire for you to give it to us because otherwise it's going to grow up and the Sith are going to find it and take it from you by force. Yeah. <laughs> like, but like technically like, they're taking it by force too. Yeah. <laughs> like, absolutely. <laughs> there is a level of coercion there that isn't fully detailed I don't think. Uh-huh. Like if I wrote my own book maybe I'll describe that process in detail. I won't. I'm not going to write my own book. That would be cool. If you <laughs> I'd read it. <laughs> Whatever dude. <laughs> um, but yeah I think the ins and outs and the nuances of the Star Wars universe particularly the philosophy of the Jedi and the Sith provides a really cool avenue to talk about the nuances of masculinity as it show up shows up in our lives yeah for sure and i would say i guess to when we talk about like count dooku because it seemed like i guess at least in the movies and a little bit in the animated series is that he did have that level of genuine care and he seemed to want to support um i would say species that were kind of in the oppressed perceived oppressed groups and how he even was trying to making kind of this council and these alliances with these groups that already were just like oppressed and downtrodden and i think it was important to see that and then you see Anakin slaughter all of them in the third <laughs> bun I mean if you haven't seen these movies by now it's yeah. not really my fault to spoil um, <laughs> but I think it's interesting that he did yeah he even showed care for Obi-Wan and so it was cool to kind of see that a little bit and then you could see his genuine fear and and almost shock that Anakin would kill him right with both of those lightsabers and so I think it was cool to see that those aspects of the kind of the, the light that I would perceive to be a little healthier and then the dark kind of using those those aspects too but he still was yeah ingrained in power and supremacy um and it seemed almost like he just he couldn't do anything else like he just felt it seemed like he was i don't want to defend him the whole time but (laughs) i think there's a point where it just seemed like he was stuck in a hard place and he didn't know where to go um well that's what happens that's what happens when you use extremes like the light and the dark it's not possible to be fully one or the other, mm-hmm. I don't think. And the two different groups try to do that. And then you find people who get caught in the middle and ridiculous things happen. I think that the Sith's ability to exploit vulnerable and oppressed, quote unquote, oppressed peoples, yeah. it might look the same the other way, right? Like, of course, the Jedi don't just slaughter people if they don't get their way. It's more diplomatic and like trying to work with, but there are absolutely like coercive tactics with in that even because they think they know what's best for that population. So I'm not here saying the Sith aren't as evil as you think they are. They're (laughs) absolutely evil. But I do think the philosophy of validating somebody's pain to make them a better person is misguided under the Sith notion, but kind of cool. There's also a mysticism about the Sith. They like walk into, ooh, there's magic, like let's foster that for you that has some level of an indigenous feel to it that I kind of like. But one of the things that Gloria and Zeldua talks about is when there's two shores, one side of the shore is like 
arguing one thing and the other side of the shore is arguing another thing and those two shores are arguing against each other, like we won't reach a solution until we're able to stand with feet on both shores. Mm. And that's what some of the great disciples do is they stand on both shores to some degree and create, a, I would call a much healthier perspective on what the force actually is. When you're on one side yelling on the other side of the river yelling, like you can't actually hear each other and you both look like fools. And so to be able to step away from this us versus them mentality, that's where a lot of the solution lies. Mm -hmm. And so to completely disregard the tenets of the dark side and completely disregard the tenets of the light is problematic in itself. Like right. that's the, the solution is absolutely somewhere in the middle. Right. And so then that's kind of why I asked about the gray Jedi's kind of, I guess, role in this in the saga because i do think in some ways it there shows up this way of like having these aspects of i wouldn't say like I go, well quote unquote healthy masculinities and i think that's interesting that it's kind of put into this perspective of like i feel like this the both of these groups manipulate each other in the their perspective communities but then they manipulate the audience to feel who's good who's yep. bad so it's interesting how they both go oh like like the jedi will be like the sith are manipulative but then it's like, but the Sith are like, you're like the same thing. You're doing the same thing, yeah. But you just have more people. So therefore, like you are more powerful in that sense with numbers. And so. Yeah. And the, the Sith are pretty clear. They say, we will give you power. Yeah. Right. We will give you the power to defend yourselves. And there is absolutely some of that in communities of color where like we need to defend our, ourselves against white supremacy and patriarchy. We need that power. Right. White supremacy will say, well, that's an issue. Like you can't you're not allowed to own guns. Take guns away. The Jedi will say we're not looking to give you power. We're just here to protect you or something. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if there's an empowerment process that the Jedi have. Um, and I think it'd be really interesting to think like, well, I don't, I think the Jedi do the same thing of saying, we'll provide you with a ton of military resources to defend yourselves through the clones versus, or, and the Sith say the same thing. Like they're doing and saying the same thing, but one is construed as good and the other is construed as evil. I don't know. I just think there's more gray area to this than if we talk more about it than what's presented in the movies and the animated films right. specifically. Right. And so then I guess when you think about this great Jedi, they really don't conform much to either side. Mm -hmm. um, I think they do get stuck mostly on the light side, which is interesting. Yeah. And they're, um, they're hated by both sides kind of too. Yeah. They're just like or, looked at as this other, Yeah, you know, just like, who, who the hell are you? Uh -huh. It's like, who the hell are you? <laughs> so it's like, I think it's interesting because then you know, almost you do kind of see these almost Han Solo type characters without all the mis a little less misogyny and right. <laughs> more of the oppressive that he kind of enacted but you get this point of like okay I think they have a they want to say they're logical and they want to be reasonable and rational but they have to work with this binary and they kind of when they're outside of the binary, they just look like they're complete idiots and they right. go, oh, well, well, you're not competent. We don't need you. Mm -hmm. And so then, and so then I would, I mean, I was going to expand on to like Rebels, <laughs> the animated series, but I think that's a little too much <laughs> for today. Yeah. yeah. So what did we learn? We learned that there are, I think, a lot of constructions through this binary of light versus dark, Jedi versus Sith, and how that even shows up in our current society and how that how those have been played out through history. Um, and I think it's important to think about that, yes, we're not, and I, I also would say, like, we're not saying, like, the Jedi are good or the Sith are good or either of them are bad. It's more of, I think we need to critically analyze what we think about when it comes to Star Wars, and it's a lot. It's a big world that usually men love to 
hang on to and really be a fan of, which is great. At the same time, there's a lot of dynamics that are of oppression that are in there, whether that's even men complaining about the new character. That's a woman. Whoa. Okay. Uh, Let's talk about that That instead of being a Um, I guess maybe from my standpoint of like loving this franchise or movie or what, however you want to really say it is Star Wars is that I think it's cool to explore and critically think about what happens in this world is very, very, very similar to what happens in our actual world. And I think there's some people that really don't want to connect them. I think that's harmful. Yeah. And I think it's okay to say the Jedi are generally good and the Sith are generally evil. Yeah. Um, don't like, uh, I don't, it's, it's just because something is good doesn't mean we can't critique it. I think right. there's a lot of people, out, maybe men in particular, who are absolutely, if we extend this metaphor, who are absolutely on the light side of things, but then use that as an excuse not to be able to be pushed to be better or to be critiqued or like it's very much possible to be a good guy to be nice and oppressive at the same time right and so we hope that showing our ability to criticize the jedi council and then take good elements out of the sith philosophy that work hopefully we've modeled some level of a bridge in terms of what are some things that are good here what are some things that are good here what if we just need to learn more about what's going on on the dark side to really understand it because understanding it is absolutely the first step to be able to to heal and like move forward in social justice, I think. Yeah. Um, like Justice for All is on the plaza right now, right? A very anti-abortion group, anti-choice group. Understanding them and where they're coming from is the key to like engaging in dialogue to create bridges and stuff. So it's easy to say those are all and we should never talk to them. And there right. are absolutely some groups like that. Like we should never talk to TWP. Right. They're scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think finding some sort of middle ground is really important while adhering to the Sith are absolutely evil. Like they're oppressive. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean the Jedi aren't either. It doesn't mean the Jedi aren't either. Yeah. So, you know, we have to find a way to be able to hold on to our principles of social justice while starting to construct some level of a bridge to groups that are hate groups, basically. And that's right. really difficult to do. Yeah, it is. Especially when you know they can do harm to you exactly. while I'm trying to make that bridge. And that's why it's important for men to engage because, yes, of course, we can get harmed in that process, but it's less likely to be yeah, the case. For sure. We need to do the heavy lifting. Well, but we better start, yeah. And that will do it for this episode of Do You Even Live Bro? Men Exercising Social Justice. If you have feedback, thoughts, comments, questions, or want to be interviewed for a podcast, please email WGAC at colostate.edu. That's WGAC at C-O-L-O-S-T-A-T-E dot E-D-U. Huge shout out to the partnership between the Women and Gender Advocacy Center and KCSU here at Colorado State University. These are the folks that even allow us to do this podcast. For more content about masculinity, check out meninthemovement.blogspot.com. And for more information about the WJC, go to wjc.colostate.edu. For more KCSU content, go to kcsufm.com. Music production by Xavier Hadley, aka Zavley. Check him out at soundcloud.com slash Xavier Hadley. That's X-A-V-I-E-R-H-A-D-L-E-Y. Thanks for listening, everyone. Deuces. Peace. Not all men. Shut yeah. up, dude. <laughs> You're the worst. I know. Get out of here with You're that. You're the worst. Okay. Um, so...